This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, April 8, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendell. Back's a lot to get into today. Let's start with something new we're doing on Bucknuts. We're having a poll of the day each day from Monday through Thursday. And the first one yesterday was, who's going to lead Ohio State in rushing this season? And pretty low-hanging fruit there. We got about 800 votes. Trey Sermon ran away with the competition, 71%. And then in second place was Master Teague, right about 11%. Just behind him was Steel Chambers at 10%. And then some other guys just got you know, just a few votes here and there. Marcus Crowley, about 5%. Justin Fields, less than 1%. Demario McCall, just over 1%. Mayan Williams, just under 1%. Bax, I'm not going to give you that easy of a question, because you'll probably say Trey Sermon as well. Maybe you wouldn't. Who are going to be Ohio State's top three rushers in order this year? Well, I agree number one is Trey Sermon, mostly because he's easily the healthiest of them. He's the most experienced of them. Uh, even if Master Teague was fully healthy, you'd have to think that he and Sermon would both be getting a pretty large share of the, of the football between the two of them. So I think Sermon's going to be number one. I think by the end of the year, you're going to have a more healthy Master Teague. So I'm going to put him as number two, and then as number three, I'm going to I'm going to say uh, Marcus Crowley. But that is uh, number three is going to be a distant number compared to one and two, I think. And that's me being optimistic that Master Teague's able to get back. You know, that's my guess is as good as anybody else's. So I'm going to go Sermon, Teague, and then Crowley. Where are you at on Steel Chambers? He's healthy. You know, with Steel Chambers and being healthy is one thing, and getting the football is another. I, I just – I have to see him do it to believe he's going to do it. How does that sound? He only played a little bit in mop-up time last year. He is clearly the third guy of the uh, of the guys coming back in the eyes of the coaching staff. He was the fourth-string guy last year as the running back position. So, you know, uh, yes, there's injuries, and that may give him a little bit of opportunity, but I don't think he's going to get as much opportunity as everybody seems to if you're going to have a fully healthy Trey Sermon. So I just – Chambers is much more of a let's-wait-and-see guy for me than I think for some people. Some people are assuming he's healthy and automatically get a bunch of carries, and I just don't see that. I do think Dustin Fields will finish third on the team in rushing. I don't think they're going to run him a lot, but I think they're going to have the top two guys like he did last year, and then Fields will finish third like he did last year, and then there'll be a drop-off from Fields to whoever the third-string running back is. I could be wrong. Maybe the third-string running back will have more yards than Fields. And as I pointed out in the piece yesterday, I'm a firm believer they're not going to run Fields more than they did last year. They're going to run him less. And big games, you're going to have to run him here and there. But, I, you know, I, I still think Fields will probably finish third on the team in rushing. I think we're going to see Fields have an evolution like we did Troy Smith's senior year, where Troy barely ran the football. Uh, I mean, I think Troy had one rushing rushing touchdown that year. He was the 
Heisman winner. And this is kind of the comparison we've been making, you and I, I think, since the day Fields transferred to Ohio State was Troy Smith, right? Uh, and I really think you're going to see Fields throw in the ball more and more and more and more because in his eyes and in Ryan Day's eyes and everyone's eyes, he's an NFL quarterback. He's a top five pick in the NFL draft next year kind of quarterback. I think they're going to really focus on making sure they throw the ball more, have him work on getting the ball out a little bit quicker, not trying to extend the play as much with his legs. And I, I think he's, they really don't want to run him. You know, I, I think they learned from the Penn State game last year where they probably weren't that, – the play where he got hurt was kind of a little unnecessary. And I, I think Ryan Day is sitting there thinking, I don't want to risk anything happening to Justin Fields right now. Yeah, so that was a lot. I, I that was a lot. Of, go ahead. Go ahead. I just say I, I think I think it's going to be kind of like Troy Smith. I think Troy had like 150 rushing yards his senior year. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields – he might break one big run or something, um, but I, I think you're going to see him really just not even trying to run the football. I think it's going to be next to no option plays. I think Ohio State understands you know, who pays the bills, and that's, that's Justin Fields. Yeah, that play against Penn State was uh, completely unnecessary. It was a lot unnecessary because they were up 11 with under two minutes left. And, you know, I, Ryan Day did so many things well. You know, you're, stuff's going to happen in football. I don't blame the coach for that. But, yeah, I'm sure he's going to be even more careful with Justin Fields. And I like your Troy Smith example. If you go back and look at Troy's sophomore year, heck, his coming out party against Michigan in 2004 when the Buckeyes came in as an underdog at the Horseshoe and they won 37-21, to 21, I think Troy might have had more rushing yards in that game than he did his senior year. So he had like 141 rushing true. yards against Michigan. I mean, I, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I think he had like 141 rushing yards in one game against Michigan as a sophomore. In that, it was 161, yeah, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think he only had like 100. Like he only had like 125 his senior year rushing or something like that. And of those, I remember this vividly because that was my last year at LSU. And I think Troy, like with his running that year. He had like a 30-yard rushing touchdown against Bowling Green in the middle of the year. Remember that random like October game against BG? And it was one of those like there was 30 yards straight up the middle of the field where nobody was there. And Troy just kind of ran up the middle like nobody's going to touch me. All right, cool. Now this is only rushing touchdown of the year. So he got like a quarter of his carries on one or a quarter of his yards on one carry. And I, I genuinely think he outgained himself in that Michigan game compared to his senior year on the ground. I don't think this is exaggeration. I'd have to go back and look because I'm not sitting in front of a computer right now. But I think that's a fact. Today's poll question, Pat Murphy's putting it together. It's going to be who's going to lead Ohio State in receiving this year. Again, I think we might know uh, who's going to run away with that one. Or maybe it'll be close between Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. I don't know. I tend to think Chris Olave is the clear choice there. But we'll see. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to extend it to you, Mr. Baxendale. Who are going to be Ohio State's top three receivers in order this year? You could have just framed this as who's going to be the third leading receiver. <laughs> right, I know. Wilson or Olave. I mean, let's, I know, let's I know. Legit here. <laughs> like, barring something bad happening, those two are going to be by far the two biggest receivers. They may both have thousand yard seasons. Um, so you know that, uh, that that's the first time I think in school history, or is it, would it be the first time in school history you have two one thousand yard receivers that yes, happens. It would be the it would be so, the first time. Which is hard to imagine with some of the, the receiver cores that they've had. Oh five, where you had Ginn and Gonzalez and Holmes. I mean, you know, how do you not have two thousand yard guys? But I guess a bunch of them were. I mean, Hartline was on the O six team with Brian Rabisky, Roy Hall, all those guys. I mean, he had some old receivers, but yeah, I, I think both those guys are going to be the two biggest receiving guys on the team, and then there's going to be a pretty big drop off the third. But um, I had a guess right now. I'd tell you Julian Fleming, and I only tell you that because I, I 
I still don't buy officially. Kind of like, you know, we've been told about the Ohio State tight end boogeyman for 20 years pretty much now, and I really like the idea of Jeremy Ruckert having a huge season. I really do. But I'm going to have to see it to believe it, so I'm picking Julian Fleming because I just think he's so polished and so ready to go. Uh, but uh, right now I'd tell you I'd say about 60% Fleming and 40% Ruckert for my pick for the third leading receiver. And I know that's maybe me and my internal – eternal optimism coming out, right? But I think at the end of the day, I can really see Ohio State. If Ohio State's going to utilize the tight end in a year, it's this year where you have an NFL caliber receiving tight end in record, a top five quarterback in, in Justin Fields, and a coach who knows how to use any advantage he can in the passing game. So uh, I say Fleming, but I'm going to give a big asterisk for record. If it ends up being record, then uh, uh, we'll forget that I said Fleming. <laughs> I'm going to throw you a curveball. I think third on the team in receiving yards and probably receptions as well. In fact, I'll say both. I think third on the team in receptions and yards will be Trey Sermon. He's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. I would agree with you there, too. He's a, he's, he's a really good pass catcher. If you look at what he's done, I mean, it was, was it a receiving touchdown on a short little dump off he had against OSU, or was it a draw for the touchdown when Oklahoma came? I don't remember. If oh, it was a little, little swing pass from a Baker. Yeah, I remember that touchdown and think you got to be kidding me. So, uh, but I, I think Sermon's certainly going to be a guy in the checkdown role who's going to uh, make some plays. Uh, the the checkdown guys are incredibly valuable. Uh, if you go and by the way, here you go. Here's a moment for everybody. This is where I compliment JT Barrett. So for all the people who threw a fit about me saying mean things about him as a senior, here's your moment. One of the best things JT Barrett did his, in 2014 whenever he was the top five in the Heisman, but he used to call it always just picking up the change, right? Don't force it. Find the open guy. Check it down. And he had so many plays where he's like, and I get seven yards of Zeke here. Boom. I get eight yards of Zeke here. Boom, right? And I think Fields is going to have that ability to go through his progressions and find that check down guy. So that's a really good call. Now, I think you may be correct in total catches, I think Fleming's going to bust a couple big catches this year, and that's kind of the reason, I think, for the yardage that I'm still leaning towards Fleming. But, you know, if it's Thurman, it wouldn't shock me either. I, I mean, again, people who aren't excited about him coming to Columbus and then aren't even more excited knowing he didn't have an ACL injury, it was a much less severe injury, like you're just not – you just not didn't pay enough attention to Oklahoma the last couple of years. This is such a big deal for OSU. It eliminates a lot of our concerns that we all had coming into this year. Even with a healthy master fatigue, this is this is a this is a godsend. So yeah, Thurman's a big deal, and uh, he certainly could be the third overall receiver by the time it's all said and done. Uh, I just uh, I wish we had like the old NCAA video games right now, so I can simulate these thirty times and tell you who the third leading receiver was. Right? What we're going through as a country right now just absolutely sucks, and that's putting it mildly. Um, but there is some good news. The NFL draft is two weeks and one day away, and I am extremely excited about that. As you and I have talked about, I mean, I've thought about this as well. This isn't just going to break the ratings records for the NFL draft. It's going to shatter them. I mean, with us being cooped up, with there being no sports, I mean, this is just going to be so much fun to watch the NFL draft in two weeks and one day. I just absolutely can't wait. And as usual, Ohio State's going to be very well represented, but it's just going to be so much fun. And they're doing it, for those that haven't heard, I'm sure most people that are listening to the show know this. If you don't, it's going to be a completely 
virtual draft. It's going to be online. The teams are not even going to be at their facilities. They're going to be at their house. There are some teams that are trying to like rent out hotels and stuff so they can just, you know, just for them. Just no one else would be there. Just the the football team. But anyway, we are going to have a draft. It's going to be completely virtual, and I love it. I can't wait, Max. You know, I'm wondering what how the presentation is going to be on this. Like, uh, are you going to have like the talking heads where they're all on split screen, right? And so that you can tell they're all somewhere that they're like. You know, a minimum ten feet apart or something crazy. Uh, like, is it going to be like watching a fantasy football draft that you're just not allowed to actually take, make a pick in? Like, you know, are they going to say like first overall pick? You know, <laughs> like Joe Burrow, Bengals. <laughs> like, and then it just like the automated voice goes to the next one and it says you are three picks away or something. Like, I can see that. <laughs> like, somebody's going to do at least a meme of it like that. But uh, I think we, the ratings thing is something that you, you touched on there that we're both in complete agreement on like you could see like old school like mass finale ratings for the nfl draft this year sort of ratings you don't get anymore just because there's so many channels like back in the day we had like six channels like the ratings would be like you'd have something where, like 70 percent of tvs in america were watching something i could legit see like one out of two tvs in america turned into the nfl draft uh over the the the, the three days that it's happening just because we need something that's new in sports. It's so bad that I was watching Belarusian hockey the other day because their president believes vodka kills the coronavirus. That's the only reason Belarus's hockey league played its championship. So, like, I mean, good for him if vodka kills his corona, but, like, at the end of the day, like, we need sports in the worst way. We need distractions in the worst way. I mean, I don't even know what like, – I'm assuming today's Wednesday because that's the day I'm on uh, – I'm on the morning five with you, but today's pretty much like Blur's and Fliggles day to me. Like, I, I, I have no idea what day of the week it is half the time anymore. I, I like, I've said that in the bucket on Sunday. I'm like, man, I'm just glad I remember, like, it's, it's Sunday's coming up, so I have the article in on time. <laughs> like, we need something that gives us a little bit of, like, uh, like, it, it, it'd be like a, like, like a, like a lighthouse in the fog. Like, we're a ship adrift as a nation right now, just kind of trying to get through this fog and, you know, they, they may just be a lighthouse telling us which way we got to keep going, but I would love to see that lighthouse in the NFL draft. Um, it would be really funny, by the way, if they decided to have an empty casino floor in Vegas with like one person live from the site of the NFL draft. Like that would be hilarious. I would, I would, I would laugh the whole show about that if they just opened it up. Roger Goodell standing in the empty lobby of the Bellagio, just like, and with the first pick, <laughs> like the, the things they could do with this could be really fun, but it's the NFL and it's the no fun league. So we're just going to have to settle for having a real football discussion. They should come up with some animations. You know, Joe Burrow gets drafted. There's an animation of Goodell standing up there and they do the handshake and maybe they do a chest bump, you know, maybe do a little dance, you know, just make it fun, make it silly. But they won't do that, though. They'll think they will come across too silly, but if they did it right, it would be funny. A little animation. What would the animation for Mike Brown be? Like Mike Brown comes up there shakes his hand, and then a little bubble pops up and says, you get no offensive lineman for four years. Or something like, you know, like, 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 they draft Joe Burrow, and then it's like, you know, Swami says, future, future statistics, not good. Like, however the Bengals screw it up, it, it, they could, that would be hilarious. We might need to put out an APB for Mike Brown backs. The Bengals spent a bunch of money in free agency. I haven't heard Mike Brown speak in a while. I, I don't know. I mean... Sure sounds like Katie Blackburn, his daughter, is now running the show there. We'll see. But no, we, I, don't, I do not want to see an animation of Mike Brown. That'll make me vomit during the draft, and I don't want to do that. 
All right, next up. This is going to get my blood boiling, but I want to talk about it. One thing that we've been talking about on the show as a possibility is starting college football on time but having no fans in the stands. Now, no one would want that to happen. The point is that's way better than the alternative. And if these players are able to get tested and we have rapid testing by then, as you've pointed out, backs, there's a way to do that. And I think most people are in concert with that. It's pissing me off, though. You've got people coming out like Notre Dame's AD because – Obviously, they want the money, saying things like they can't imagine having a college football season with no fans in the stand. I mean, you can't imagine it. Nobody wants that, but, you know, I can't imagine having no college football. So if the alternative is to play college football with no fans in the stands, but it's determined by medical professionals that the players are safe, let's do that. And Mac Brown's now coming out saying the same thing as Notre Dame's AD, saying he can't imagine playing college football with no fans in the stands. He would rather there not be a season than not have – fans in the stands. I do not get this perspective at all. Again, it's not what we want, but it would be way better than the alternative, and it might be only for like a month or so before we can then have fans in the stands. Even if we have rapid testing, I don't know how you can rapid test 100,000 people in a horseshoe, but you can have football with no fans in the stands, in my opinion. Yeah, anybody who thinks that the, the best answer here is not playing when we can have them play, we live in a televised society. Like, this is this isn't like you know 1945, and you know the only way Americans could see Ohio State football was to tune into the radio or go down to the horseshoe. Uh, I I think that's asinine. I also think there's a little bit of a lobby built in here of saying, well, you know, I couldn't imagine having college football, and we need to have the fans back in the stands. And I mean, of course, Jack Swarbeck, who's the AD at uh, Notre Dame, is saying that because he's sitting there written the school need has its money that it it's already counted on coming in from football, just like everybody else has. And so I, I there a little bit of this is a lobby where they're like, Look, we need to have the fans in the stands. I couldn't imagine that the experience wouldn't be the same. The answer is their pocketbook won't be the same and they don't want to blow games when they could maybe alter the schedule a little bit to get the games in at a little later point in the year. Uh so I, I think anybody who's saying that they don't want football versus just playing it with an empty empty stadium to be able to at least watch the games, he's completely out of their mind. Uh, so, I, I, again, I think, I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship here. I don't think anybody who says that should be really taken at face value. Uh, I find that asinine. And I, I've said this numerous times when we've talked about stuff like this. I would much rather watch games in an empty arena than no games at all. Like, Baseball's talking about, like, having the entire Major League season going on in, like, the Phoenix area with, like, the, pl- the club and players and personnel, like, all isolated. And then they go to, like, a couple different stadiums down there for spring training and play their games in front of no fans. Dude, if there was baseball on right now, I'd be watching random games. And I think I watched, like, three baseball games last year. Like, that's how badly we need sports. And that's baseball. That's not college football, which, to me, is the best sport. By far, the, the I would watch a Bowling Green versus Idaho game if it was on right now. You know what I mean? And I'd, I'd and I'd be watching it like it was the greatest thing ever, right? And not to mention all the ancillary benefits. You you think with when sports come back on TV with all the states where gambling's legal now, that you're not going to see insane amounts of money coming in on stupid events. Like I I think there's so many different things that are involved with having these games that. As long as the medical personnel say there's a safe way to do it, um, I, I don't think you don't do it. I think it, that's like saying, you know, oh, I, I can't get the, 
I can't get pizza from Pizza Hut, so I'm not eating this frozen pizza here. Like, it's pizza. Eat it. Shut up. It's football. Play it. Shut up. Yeah, take a page out of the NFL drafts book. I mean, what are they going to do, just shut down the draft? I know it's not the same thing. It's not a live sporting event. It's, it's the best reality show on TV, the draft. I, I get it's not apples to apples, you know, but still, uh, again, and, and we don't even know if that's even going to be a possibility. My only point is if we get to the point where we can have rapid testing and it's widely available, there already is rapid testing and it's widely available, I mean, that might be the best alternative is all I'm saying. And I, the people that push back on that, it's just, yeah, I think it might be some gamesmanship, but also people just talking out of their rear ends too. Anyway, great stuff. Good conversation here. I really appreciate it, Bax. Thanks to all the listeners out there. Hope everyone has a great day. Stay safe, Bucknutters. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.